Welcome to the Texas Hip Show. We are back in the saddle here in Central Texas after our two podcasts that we did in Denver the week before last. We did two shows there at NoCo 7. Coleman is here and Jesse's here. We're all here back in the saddle. And uh, how's, every- how's the-, the gang is here? How's everybody doing? Doing great. It's a big, big week for, for hemp and cannabis in Texas and uh, excited to break it down. Yeah, you guys have been busy the last 24, 48 hours down there at the Capitol. I am running on fumes. <laughs> That's just at minimum, I'm running on fumes. Yeah, Jesse's Jesse's my hero right now. Y'all were up till what, 6.30 this morning? It yeah, we didn't, we didn't leave the Capitol. I didn't leave the Capitol grounds until 5.45 a.m. <laughs> I spent an entire day. I was at the Capitol 12 o'clock, about 11 to 12 o'clock Tuesday afternoon. And only left to go to, like, to my kiddo's appointment for like 30 minutes and came right back and spent the entire day into the night, into the morning <laughs> at the Capitol to go back home, take my kid to school, be told, oh, you have another hearing to be at at 8 a.m. Awesome. I applaud you. I applaud your service. Amazing. That is awesome. Yeah. So, so I mean, a lot of bills going on. Um, the bills heard yesterday um, were in criminal jurisprudence. Um, penalty reduction, as we're calling it now. Penalty reduction. Actually, could you jump into that, please? So we stopped calling it decriminalization because decriminalization sounds a lot like legalization, and we are not legalizing cannabis in Texas. We are reducing the penalties for possession of cannabis in Texas, and we're trying to move it to where each bill has some form of either a diversion plan, which would mean you go to court and you do, as they say, X, Y, Z leads to dismissal, so you don't get a criminal record. You can get this arrest pretty much removed at some point. So now they're calling it? penalty reduction or they have an expunction program like Aaron's Wiener's bill has an expunction program where after a certain amount of days you can have your record expunged of this conviction totes bill house bill 99 had no arrest and a diversion plan and we pretty much a lot of us went to testify on that because he was the lone Republican with a penalty reduction bill and at this point we realized that for to get past the obstacle in the Senate of our one-man calendar committee, Dan Patrick, it will more likely have to be one of your most conservative, like Tea Party-type members from the House that has to put this bill forward. Yeah, and Toth was that person. And so, in a lot of ways, this the the House Bill ninety nine would be kind of conforming to a lot of the policies that you see with a lot of larger cities in the state. So, I mean, I know here in Austin, it's a it's a site and diversion program, and actually, I think in in Austin, it's just a ticket and an education that you have to. Oh, the, yeah, you can the, take a class and it'll be dismissed. Well, well that was now, something I that think. was brought up during the hearing with Totes Bill was that there are places where we're not seeing consi- even consistency but, in those programs, such as Houston. Houston says, hey, we're going to do like a site and divert, and there's not really site and divert going on with everybody. Austin just pretty much started going, we're not even going to prosecute these low-level yeah, cases. That was a Sydney ordinance, I think, in 2019, or maybe 18, but it's been in recent few years that, that Austin has And then our DA, that. our newly elected DA, was like, I want nothing to do with it. It's not, it's not a priority. We have murderers and rapists out there, and that's what we need to be focusing on. 
as well as the Grand Prairie police chief showed up to testify against this bill. And Representative Crockett, who covers part of Dallas County, asked, well, what exactly are you doing? Like, what, what kind of resources are being used? Because we hear officers saying, well, I don't have the, the resources. We need more allocation of funds and more resources to do our jobs. She said, well, how am I going to justify allocating more resources when you focus on what we consider petty things such as low, low amounts of possession, mm-hmm. small amounts of possession versus you going after the murderers and rapists, which there are plenty of those in Dallas County. And when the officers start talking about, well, most of our arrests that we do for these misdemeanor charges, they become Class C paraphernalia charges. And Representative Crockett called it out immediately. She goes, so you're already pretty much doing what this bill intends to do to codify, but yet you're testifying against it. I don't understand what you're, what the issue is then. Mm-hmm. What's the problem? You're, you're claiming, well, no, we're not. Yes, that's pretty much what you're doing already. You're turning it into a Class C, which is what this bill intends to do. Where's the, where's the issue? Well, the people in our community don't want it that way. Yeah, so so you've got this hodgepodge of, mm. of different different city ordinances, and I mean San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. Um, I don't know about Fort Worth, um, but certainly here in Austin, and and like you're saying, there's just there's inconsistency in some areas. They will will cite you, but they still have to take you in and book you here in Austin. They give you a ticket. You have to to have your education, but there's no fingerprints. You don't have to go in kind of based around, you know, redevoting resources to, to what you're saying. You know, how many how many murders or thefts or rapes were unsolved in the state? You know, how many resources were available? And a great point we started pointing at, like myself and Austin Samiri from the Texas Cannabis Collective, is Marvin Scott. We have seven correctional officers who've been fired now. We have, this individual died in custody, yeah. and they were taken into custody because a joint was found near them. They didn't find this marijuana joint on them. It was near them. They put a spit hood on this individual because he was having more, what was more than likely a mental health crisis. And it's like, how many man hours went through that? So how much value did we lose in tax dollars just dealing with that? And now we have seven correctional officers, state officials, who are gone. That's seven people we don't have anymore. They're fired because they apparently did not follow protocol for handling this situation. Yeah. So I, here's a quote from from Jax Finkel from Texas Normal, who was a resource witness. Uh, she said that in 2019, over 45,000 Texans were arrested for minor possession, with an estimated 30,000 being convicted. This is while 92% of burglaries, 89% of car thefts, and 77% of rape and attempted rape went unsolved in the same year. Let's make sure that law enforcement can spend more time and effort on policing violent crime and property crimes, and at the same time, save at least $311 million in taxpayer dollars spent annually on enforcing low-level marijuana possession. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's summarized really, really well by, by Jax there. I went as far as during my own testimony to say I knew there were going to be people opposed to it. There's going to be at least probably one person who showed up, and there was, who was saying that marijuana is a is an addictive drug. It's this addictive chemical and an addictive plant that's dangerous to society. I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll argue from that point. Mm-hmm. Which is which? One of these things is better suited for people. Is it better suited that we we throw people in jail, 
or is it better suited that we go and we give these people the medical attention that they would need if you claim this Are you is asking me substance? this question? No, our guest Morris Beagle from the NOCO Expo and Southern Hemp Expo has called in while you're while Jesse was explaining legislation that's been going on. Our guest Morris Beagle has joined the conversation here on the Texas Hemp Show and you just kind of snuck in there. I answered the phone call there and and got you on. Uh, sorry we were interrupting you though, Jesse. It's okay. If Morris wants to answer that, he's, he's well, then we lost him. Oh, <laughs> there he went. <laughs> he, he was here, but now he's gone. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't know. I didn't mean to hang up on you there, Morris. Sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Are you asking me this question? <laughs> well, if you Sorry, wanna, I, say, I didn't it, hear anything after that. I say, if, if, if you want to answer, I'm, 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 I'm all of game for it. I, I propose that during my testimony in Texas that if the prohibitionists are going to claim that it's a dangerous – illicit substances addictive and horrible for society and people which serves them better throwing them in jail or getting them the medical attention they need yeah it, and morris this is coleman Hempill with the texas hemp industries association just to, to catch you up so there's there's bills heard yesterday in the texas house jurisprudence committee and then another bill around medical marijuana in the house public health committee and so jesse was just um, catching us up on on that just walked us through the different penalty reduction bills, and um, we will follow up in a moment with the, the other bills that are going on. But uh, Morris, awesome to have you on today. Um, really, really uh, been pumped since we left NOCO. Um, how's your last couple of weeks been? Well, they've been pretty crazy, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. but all in all, we're, we survived everything, and the show came off really quite well, better than we anticipated given the circumstances of the last twelve months. But it was it was pretty solid, considering the the little protocols and stuff we had to go through. And I'm sure we'll get into some of that. Me and Russell had a conversation last night about the aisleways, which yes, yes, we'll, we'll let you, we'll let you vent here on the Texas hemp show uh, about some of the things that see here in Texas, Coleman and Jess and I, we, you know, Texas has been open. And so, you know, I don't know if you experienced any oddness in Denver, um, Jesse and I found it challenging to get a beer at a, an establishment. There was you had to put your mask on to be seated, but then once you were seated, you could take your mask off, and 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 then it was okay to take it off and have a beer. Uh, but you couldn't. It was just very weird. And they're at twenty five percent as well. Yeah, I'm getting and, at. and you know, I, in, I will say, in, in spite of that, from my experience, um, it was a very respectful event, um, and people were still able to interact for sure. Um, you know, we were talking earlier that, you know, NOCO has really become one of the premier B2B shows, a lot of great, you know, brands and other products that are being there too. But from a, a central point of the, the hemp community, um, y'all been doing NOCO for what, seven years now? And y'all have a couple other shows y'all do nationwide now? Yeah. So seven years, really it's eight years, including last year. So we had to mm -hmm. do, handful of virtual shows and you know this would have been noco eight but it was noco seven and um yeah we've got several other nationals we've got we did hawaii a couple times but we've done southern hemp expo in tennessee once in nashville once in franklin and we were going back to nashville last year but that didn't happen and now we actually are moving to north carolina to raleigh set beginning of september september 2nd through the 4th 
Good old North Kakalaki. And that's we're really excited about that because unfortunately we, we love Nashville. We've had a great time in that area the last couple of years, but it was problematic securing the venue during COVID and the hotel situation. And, the, you know, every state's just a bit different. And we put an RFP out throughout the South and Raleigh came back to us and said, Hey, we'd really love to have you move here. Um, there's great things happening in the hemp industry and you guys could bring a lot to the table. And, and they said, if you, if you want to move the event, there's also this city economic development fund that you can apply for and get a grant to help offset the cost of the venue. So it's like, all right. And we went through the process and got the grant and we're the first cannabis based company to, to receive that type of money in North Carolina. So it's like, Hey, cool. We're we're going to North Carolina. (laughs) Well, very cool. Our guest, Morris Beagle, the founder of NOCO, Northern Colorado Hemp Expo. And and I understand you also host a a podcast of your own called Let's Talk Hemp. And all things uh, related to your hemp interest seem to be live there at uh, letstalkhemp.com. So uh, I want to ask, I know you have a background. Last night we were talking, I, I used to publish Rockstar Magazine. You were kind of in the music business yourself. Tell us a little, I guess, back up a little here for us, for the listeners, and just kind of tell us how you pivoted yourself into hemp uh, back in 2012. All right. So, yeah, like like you just said, I, I was in the music industry really almost straight out of high school. I went to Colorado State. Well, I graduated in 85 here in Loveland, Colorado, and went to Colorado State in 86 and was part of their concert committee and I found this school in Atlanta called the Music Business Institute and it was a trade school and I flew out there and and went to school there and graduated there and from directly from there I went to work for a large music and video distributor for seven years um, doing music and video distribution into big box like Kmart, Walmart, and Sears, mm. and Woolworths, and, and did that for seven years, and then started my own music production company and did tons and tons of CD manufacturing and product distribution and concerts and festivals and artist management and music licensing, so kind of a jack-of-all-trades of things. But during that, um, up and through till here comes Napster and mp3.com and really kills the physical media business, um, I literally threw away thousands and thousands and thousands of CDs myself into landfills, jewel cases, because there was nothing you could do back in the early 2000s and mid 2000s. They weren't recycling anything. So I literally, like many, many others, contributed lots and lots of plastic into the landfills. And the music business ended up kind of crashing. And here goes all the record stores are out of business and everything's pivoted to digital and and I made most of my money on physical products, so I needed to pivot to something. And mm-hmm. I ended up here in Colorado where medicinal was happening. We had all the dispensary stuff starting to happen in 2009, 2010, and it was all medical. I got a medical card. And then in 2012, when we passed recreational or adult use cannabis, that included a hemp clause for Colorado for us to start growing industrial hemp. And I was familiar with hemp from the 90s. I had mm-hmm. uh, met up with a gal in Fort Collins who had a hemp store called the Hemper Wears No Clothes mm-hmm. based on Jack's book. And, and that's really why I got turned on to it. And it's like, well, hey, I can take kind of this skill set of promotion and merchandise and and printing and events and, and start doing the, the hemp thing. So we launched Colorado Hemp Company in 2012. 
in a paper company in 2013, which is Tree Free Hemp, and then started NOCO in 2014. Yeah. And here we are in a media platform. Let's talk hemp in 2015. Heck yeah. And so it's like, I like to add a new logo every year, at least one uh, to the umbrella of brands. You know, I can't believe we didn't bump into you. I, I didn't bump into him over there, and I, I we hadn't ne- we'd never met, so we he didn't know what I looked like or I, what he looked like. But we must have all been in the same room that that night at the uh, at the at the at the hotel. Well, uh, I saw Coleman. I mean, we ran into each other several times. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was I wasn't hiding from you. And me and Coleman have known each other for a while. We've been in the same room multiple times. No, no doubt. <laughs> you can't miss Coleman with the hat. <laughs> well, I mean, and and for just perspective for for people listening, I, I mean, to be involved in hemp since 2012 is about as as uh, OG as you can get in the the hemp space. So, I mean, that's that was. Well, bef- bef- I wouldn't say that. Well, I mean, there's, I, it, it, there's it, lots it is, of people that were there from the '80s and '90s, and two, or, there's uh, others. That for first, for sure, I it, it, the modern age of hemp, you know. So Kentucky getting going in 2013, 2014, Farmville. Uh, yeah. And and now, you know, I, tell people a little bit about the projects that you're doing with with your guitars. I, I mean, I I've loved that you've maintained a real strong focus in. Um, in hemp paper and hemp materials and, and advanced materials, uh, and they're doing some really cool things with with guitars and, and other products. Okay, well, so when we started NoCo Hemp Expo, I and that was in 2014. I had found a company in Canada called Canadian Hemp Guitars that were making guitars, and I wanted to get those guys out to NoCo, and and I didn't have any luck getting them out here but there was a guy in denver that was starting to rep their guitars and they had just started making these prototypes and so i bought one of the prototypes and then i reached out to them and asked if they would private label white label some guitars for me and and do a few different things that they hadn't done they were making les paul juniors and i was like hey can you make me like a telecaster or an sg and so i had them make me a couple of tellies and an sg and and then they were making ukes as well. So, and I could, I was like, I'll buy as many ukuleles from you as you can possibly make. But it was a couple of guys that had other things going on. And, you know, you get these somewhat hobbyist folks out there and then no knock against them because they were making cool instruments, but it was a tough go trying to figure out how to utilize me, these materials and, and do it correctly and labor intensive and so forth. Um, Oh, look at that. Little Allison Chains. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but uh, we'll be back on the other side. Stay right there. Our guest, Morris Beagle. It's the Texas Hemp Show. We'll be back after this. CRI is a top 25 nationally ranked CPA firm with offices across the Southeast and with clients across the globe. Over the last few years, our firm has developed a niche in the agriculture and cannabis industry. We understand the unique challenges growers and processors face every day, including addressing challenges resulting from the USDA and DEA final interim rules, banking and insurance concerns for cannabis businesses, unique farming challenges associated with hemp and high THC cannabis, and GMP clean room management and general management for business in the rapidly changing cannabis market. Our seasoned team of professionals can help you meet these challenges with sound business, tax, financial, accounting, and technology advice. Visit CRICPA.com to find out more or schedule your free introductory consultation. That's CRICPA.com. The Bloom Box. 
from BC Northern Lights is the ultimate fully automated indoor growing system. Two chambers provide the user with a propagation area and 32 cubic feet of growing space designed to yield maximum results. GrowSmart technology makes the Bloombox the most user-friendly model on the market by controlling lighting, watering, CO2 and exhaust for you. The optional touchscreen sensor overload package makes the growing process even easier by controlling temperature, pH balance, moisture levels and more. A wheeled base and lockable doors provide accessibility and security for your plants, while the Bloombox's power-safe technology uses less energy than most common household appliances. Regardless of your experience, the Bloombox will help you take your growing to the next level. Start growing your own today with BC Northern Lights. The Texas Hemp Reporter Radio Show is brought to you by Your Business Here. Since 1938, TPS Lab has been guiding growers of many different crops around the world to making maximum yields and quality and solving difficult field problems with advanced innovative solutions. Hemp Plan offers the most advanced guidance to industrial hemp growers. The purpose of Hemp Plan is for you to realize the highest quality and yields with minimal THC for your crop's genetics by minimizing plant biotic and abiotic stresses. TPS Lab offers many services and options to the industrial hemp grower. Contact Joe at TPS Labs at 956-383-0739. That's 956-383-0739. That's TPS Lab. Hey guys, it's Russell with the Texas Hemp Reporter. Want to remind you to check out the website, uh, the Texas Hemp Ranch. My friends at the Texas Hemp Ranch are currently leasing over 50 acres of land to grow your hemp operation for the next spring grow here in Texas. So get ready for that 2021 grow season and visit thetexashempranch.com or give us a call at 512-387-3377 or you can email txhempranch at gmail.com for more information. So the Texas Hemp Ranch is located there at 969 off of 130 Toll Road in east of Austin. They provide the land. You grow your own hemp, leasing 50 acres. And we just uh, leased a, a, some five-acre slot the other day. You can lease a, a five-acre spot or 10 acres. It's up to you. If you want to do 20 acres, just let us know. We've got about 50 acres, 45 approximately left to lease between now and late February. So just reaching out through the podcast here. I want to get a note out to our listeners that you can lease some land to grow your hemp this spring at the Texas Hemp Ranch, my friends out there, uh, go check those guys out online, the Texas Hemp Ranch, or give them a call at 512-387-3377. Thanks, and back to the show. You're listening to the Texas Hemp Show, produced by your friends at the Texas Hemp Reporter. 60,000 copies published free every year. The Texas Hemp Reporter is mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. The Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. Now, back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. All right, welcome back to the Texas 
Hemp Show. I am Russell Dowden. Our co-host joining us this week again, as always, is Coleman Hempel of the Texas Hemp Industries Association. Jesse Williams, also here with the uh, Texas Cannabis Collective. And our guest this week, here, Morris Beagle with uh, Sustainable Sounds and the Colorado Hemp Company. And our... Um, uh, we just got back from NOCO 7 there in Denver, and he's got a big one coming up in September with the Southern Hemp Expo. And uh, welcome back to the program, Morris. Thanks for, for uh, hanging on there while we went to break. I wanted to mention real quick, man, I had a story in the October issue, or maybe it was the August issue of last year, with Sid Miller on the cover. You, we've, we did a profile on Sustainable Sounds last year on page 20 on the August issue. I don't even know if you knew that, but uh, I didn't know you then. Well, with the guitars? Yeah, we talked about the amps and, and the guitars, and kind of one of my writers did a story on it. I just was flipping through it during commercial break because uh, um, I wanted to make sure that was you, and in fact it was. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good, good uh, rock and roll and hemp. Right. Well, I could go on for with that conversation, but I, obviously, I started. I started off. I, that conversation of how we develop these guitars is, is like a good fifteen-minute conversation. <laughs> but we've come a long ways. We're in production now. We've got combo amps. We've got amp heads. We've got cabinets. We've got guitars, um, and we've got multiple color options and multiple pickup configurations and a couple of different neck options and they're super good instruments. Yeah. So, so Morris, back to to Noco. Um, so a lot of activity from Texas this last year. Um, Sid Miller was there speaking. I think a number of different folks. Um, you know, I would love to kind of hear your kind of broader takeaways of of the show and and kind of the the new impact that Texas is making in the hemp space. Well, there definitely was a Texas contingency there, and a lot of good energy coming up from Texas. So that was exciting to see, and it was nice to hear. Sid's perspective on the future of, of hemp in Texas. It sounds like he's pretty well behind it, and he's a supporter. Um, I think that the, it'll be interesting to see what happens on the full cannabis side. I can't see how it can stop. It only makes sense. I, if you want to talk about less regulation and personal freedom, then Texas needs to just say, hey, we're going to be legal. I mean, right next door, you've got Mexico that's fully legal now, and you're going to have the United States as decriminalized here within the next year. Te- Texas and is you've got surrounded. Canada. Yeah, so there's just – it's like you guys got to flip the switch. <laughs> I like there's, there's There's no other choice because you're not going to stop what's already there. I like how my coworker Austin has mentioned if you get on I-40 or I-10 in Texas – and head west, the moment you hit the Texas border, every state from there to the coast has legal adult use marijuana now. Well, not only that, it's every um, every state surrounding us has got a marijuana law in place, and then now Mexico's legalized it, so we're the lone... And New Mexico, and I mean, it's... Yeah. Have law enforcement in Texas focus on things that actually make a difference rather than continuing to punish people for cannabis. Nobody should be punished for cannabis. This has been the biggest waste of taxpayer dollars and destruction of human life in this history of this country. Well, I can't say that. There's there's been other stuff that's been pretty bad, too, but this has been tragic for the last 80 years. Yeah, and you being there in in Colorado, I mean, there's been states that have benefited greatly. I mean, 
I mean, there's tons of new projects going on in Colorado. Really, the pros stimulated outweigh by. the cons so much. I mean, there's no comparison. Yeah, and, and I believe there's 15 states. I my my comments on HB 1535 I, that I submitted this morning, I pointed out that Texans deserve medicine like most of the other states. Uh, but there was 15 states in the U.S. have decriminalized its use, and another total of 36 states at least including District of Columbia and Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands that have all approved comprehensive, publicly available uh, medical marijuana or cannabis programs. So come on, Texas, get with it. When you, Texas falls behind Arkansas and Louisiana or Mississippi on Arkansas. anything, it's not a good thing, man. Come on. No, there's it flips a switch. That's right. Flip the switch. What can we expect? What can we expect from the Southern Expo from you? With vendors, what what's your anticipation on the Southern Hemp Expo here in September of 2021? Well, if we continue to trend in the right direction, which I think we will, because you know, people are going to be everybody that wants to be vaccinated by the middle to end of summer is going to be, and the numbers should be in much better shape if you're going to honestly look at it. And hopefully, the media and the government and everybody will at that time, because you just can't keep this crap going on. So. By that time, we should have more space. Um, we'll sell out the floor space. We're going to already have, we've already got like 260 or 270 available booths based on capacity where it is now, but that should increase. And we're, we'll have way more people than we had at NOCO. People, it's it's going to be our big show of the year. It'll be the big, the biggest true hemp-centric supply chain show on the planet this year. We got a lot of cool things going on and it won't be anything like NOCO where it's that spread out and lack of signage and goofy aisles that are one way direction that most people didn't pay attention to, but it's not going to be like that. Hopefully we, it won't be a mask mandate, but if there will be washing your hands and some of this stuff, but whatever the protocols are, we'll do it. And it'll be way less restricted than what we just went through. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, I, another big takeaway that I had from from Noco is just seeing the the grain and fiber industry mature. And I I know you know particularly here in Texas, um, you know a lot of the initial support in the state really was around grain and fiber. There's a lot of new projects that are going on. They're super exciting. A lot of collaboration happening. Um, you know, could you kind of hit on you know where you see this trend moving um, and just kind of the excitement that's being built up in that. And, and, you know, who, who, who needs to be at the Southern Hemp Expo and what kind of products and education um, are they going to be looking at around grain and fiber? Well, I think the the whole supply chain and, and food, fiber and flour cannabinoids, but as you know, I we've been a I've been a fiber guy since the get go. It was T-shirts and hats and paper and bags, textiles as a whole, building materials, bioplastics. I'm making guitars, and we had a cool material zone at Noco in North Carolina. That's textile capital of, of the U.S. is right over in that area. So we're going to have lots of textiles, lots of building materials, bioplastics, composites there's going to continue to be this emphasis on that side as well as the grain side animal feed and true industrial hemp and this is where texas literally can be bigger than anybody else in the u.s you've got more land you've grown cotton uh, if you get the right big growers out there 
that you guys can produce more than anybody else. And I think that you will if things roll out there correctly. And you can still have your boutique cannabinoid side with flour and, and some of that stuff, but Texas can freaking dominate on the fiber side. People should know that you guys, you guys can dominate the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, so Texas, we grow, I think around seven and a half million acres of cotton, which I believe represents about 10% of the world's population with cotton. And we, we certainly got plenty of space to, to grow it. And, you know, with the price of cotton well, for cotton seed, all the different chemicals, the the lack of rotation for for many years, it's really essential that that we get this done. And I, I think there is a lot of emphasis here. We have a huge um, auto manufacturing industry, uh, Department of Defense, aviation, uh, one of the fastest home building markets in the United States. And and actually, I just found this out recently. Dallas is the second largest consumer of paper next to Chicago in the United States. I mean, so so much business, super quickly growing state. Um, I think, you know, people are certainly moving in that direction. There's still you know a lot to be worked out, a lot of variety trials, but uh, we are just getting started and and it's, well, I, it's moving I read, the right way. I read Coleman a few years ago um, and that. The Texas economy was like the world's eighth largest economy. And, you know, we're known for agriculture and business and energy, infrastructure, health, technology. So, you know, he's Morris, you're right. This thing needs to, to, to get really going. And, and I think once we can get, you know, it, it was we develop the industrial side, that's going to be a, a, a fun to see how Texas responds to the industrial hemp. Well, Texas can do great with industrial hemp. If there's an emphasis there, people can make money, the farmers can make money, and those materials, a lot of that stuff can stay right there in Texas, and you reduce your environmental footprint, and you start cleaning up some of the mess that's been made with what you guys have made a ton of money on over the course of the last hundred years. That's extracting all this stuff out of the earth. Now start healing the earth and using those materials to rebuild Texas and build it more sustainably so generations beyond us can actually enjoy the planet. Our guest, Morris Beagle, uh, founder there with the Southern Hemp Expo. I've got about three or four minutes left with you here before um, our segment ends with you. Final thoughts, just what do you what do you really want to ta- – what's your ultimate takeaway from NOCO? And then uh, how can folks get a booth or get in touch with you on the Southern Hemp Expo? I understand you're selling space on that until about mid-July. Uh, tell folks about how they can get in touch with you and learn more uh, about the upcoming event. Well, southernhempexpo.com, all the information is right there off the homepage. You can reserve a booth right now. We just opened it up this week, and we're also doing a call for speakers, so you can click on that if you're in the industry and you feel you've got something important to say. We're always taking applications for our events. And you can also find out more about what we're doing at letstalkhemp.com. We're curating a lot of news from all over the world, everything that's going on in the industry, and and the industry has been challenging the last few years with the crash of the CBD market to, to a degree. Um, but there's a lot of innovation. There's, there's a lot of opportunity down the road, Let's flush out what's been going on with COVID and this industry really can change the world. Are you going to be in Dallas this month? You were, uh, are you working with Trammel or coming down to, to talk to, to the earth X guys? Yeah, I'm going to be out there, the end of the month so we might be doing something 
that Friday or Saturday night, 29th, 30th, uh, Let's Talk Hemp Texas meetup. And there will be more information on that coming out. But, yeah, I'm going to be out for three days or so and, and do the Texas thing. Well, we will have a, a a cold Texas beer waiting for you, Morris. Uh, when you nice. get when you get here, and uh, do call us when you get in, into town, man. And and uh, we'll look forward to hanging out. All right, thanks for everything, guys. All right, all right thank you for joining. Always oh, good to hear from you, man. Take care, buddy. Yep. All right, there he goes. That's Morris Beagle with the sustainable sounds, the Southern Hemp Expo, NoCo, big personality in the hemp game. Absolutely. Now, Morris has been a good friend for, for a lot of years. Really does a great job in, in pulling the community together. Uh, NOCO's become a staple. Um, Southern Hemp Expo, I think this, like you said, is, I believe, their third year to, mm-hmm. to be doing that. And so um, getting the community together in different parts of the country is always a good thing. All right. Well, let's take a quick another commercial break, and then we will come back and talk a little more with Jesse about his adventures down there the last 48 hours at the House of Representatives here in downtown Austin. It's the Texas Hemp Show. We'll be right back after this. CRI is a top 25 nationally ranked CPA firm with offices across the Southeast and with clients across the globe. Over the last few years, our firm has developed a niche in the agriculture and cannabis industry. We understand the unique challenges growers and processors face every day, including addressing challenges resulting from the USDA and DEA final interim rules, banking and insurance concerns for cannabis businesses, unique farming challenges associated with hemp and high THC cannabis, and GMP clean room management and general management for business in the rapidly changing cannabis market. Our seasoned team of professionals can help you meet these challenges with sound business, tax, financial, accounting, and technology advice. Visit CRICPA.com to find out more or schedule your free introductory consultation. That's CRICPA.com. The Bloom Box from BC Northern Lights is the ultimate fully automated indoor growing system. Two chambers provide the user with a propagation area and 32 cubic feet of growing space designed to yield maximum results. GrowSmart technology makes the Bloombox the most user-friendly model on the market by controlling lighting, watering, CO2, and exhaust for you. The optional touchscreen sensor overload package makes the growing process even easier by controlling temperature, pH balance, moisture levels, and more. A wheeled base and lockable doors provide accessibility and security for your plants, while the Bloombox's power-safe technology uses less energy than most common household appliances. Regardless of your experience, the Bloombox will help you take your growing to the next level. Start growing your own today with BC Northern Lights. The Texas Hemp Reporter Radio Show is brought to you by Your Business Here. Since 1938, TPS Lab has been guiding growers of many different crops around the world to making maximum yields and quality and solving difficult field problems with advanced innovative solutions. Hemp Plan offers the most advanced guidance to industrial hemp growers. The purpose of Hemp Plan is for you to realize the highest quality and yields with minimal THC for your crop's genetics by minimizing plant biotic and abiotic stresses. TPS Lab offers many services and options to the industrial hemp grower. 
Contact Joe at TPS Labs at 956-383-0739. That's 956-383-0739. That's TPS Lab. Hey guys, it's Russell with the Texas Hemp Reporter. Want to remind you to check out the website, uh, the Texas Hemp Ranch. My friends at the Texas Hemp Ranch are currently leasing over 50 acres of land to grow your hemp operation for the next spring grow here in Texas. So get ready for that 2021 grow season and visit thetexashempranch.com or give us a call at 512-387-3377 or you can email txhempranch at gmail.com for more information. So the Texas Hemp Ranch is located there at 969 off of 130 Toll Road in east of Austin. They provide the land. You grow your own hemp, leasing 50 acres. And we just uh, leased a, a, some five-acre slot the other day. You can lease a, a five-acre spot or 10 acres. It's up to you. If you want to do 20 acres, just let us know. We've got about 50 acres, 45 approximately left to lease between now and late February. So just reaching out through the podcast here. want to get a note out to our listeners that you can lease some land to grow your hemp this spring at the Texas Hemp Ranch, my friends out there, uh, go check those guys out online, the Texas Hemp Ranch, or give them a call at 512-387-3377. Thanks, and back to the show. You're listening to the Texas Hemp Show, produced by your friends at the Texas Hemp Reporter. 60,000 copies published free every year. The Texas Hemp Reporter is mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. The Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. Now, back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. All right, welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show. Thanks, Morris, our guest, for calling in and telling us a little bit about the upcoming Southern Hemp Expo. And that was a lot of fun doing those podcasts with Heather and uh, Nathan there in, in Denver last week. And, and good to have you guys back here in the in the saddle here in Central Texas. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, right before we went to, to Morris in that, that first bit, Jesse was just finishing up the criminal jurisprudence bills, the, the penalty reduction bills. And today, um, I know just immediately following that, not just a couple hours after people left at six o'clock in the morning from from the uh, the penalty reduction bills, we had all of the different uh, medical marijuana bills. Oh, we had one. We had one medical expansion bill. That's it. It's Click's bill. That's all that's going through in the House. And as stated in the past with Dan Patrick, he will not allow anything to start from the Senate side. So, so HB, HB 1535 from Click is the only one. Yeah, yep. so, so Stephanie Click out of the, the DFW area chaired the Public Health Committee. So, and, and this is an expansion on the Compassionate Use Program that got passed in, in 2015, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. So, from my understanding of the Compassionate Use Program, so when that first got rolled out, it, it only allowed for up to 0.5%. Delta 9, and at that point was only for intractable epileptics. So over the last three sessions, there's been an expansion on the different qualifying conditions, um, which I, I think this bill is expanding on as well into to PTSD, cancer, PTSD right. specifically for veterans. In which she's actually has mentioned in conversations, she's willing to change that to just PTSD. That, well, that's, you know, it sounds like things are moving in the right direction there. Also pain, cancer. And so really, you know, kind of the the consolation prize over the last several sessions is just kind of an expanding 
um, acknowledgement that the cannabis plant can be used for all of these different ailments that people have. Um, you know, it's still a program that's that's run by DPS. I think up to this point, there was only three licenses that were were issued. I think some of them by out of state licensees. So there's only there's three companies, and only one of them is like a native Texas company, which is Compassionate Cultivation. Yeah. So Compassionate Cultivation, you know, it has a, a facility here in Austin, grow all their material in house. They have tests. They actually have to test all their products in house to to make sure that they can can recommend that to to their different patients. But I, I mean, really, up to this point. Um, because 0.5 has been so close to 0.3 and because hemp products have been federally legal and been distributed throughout the state, it really hasn't been an effective program to this point. So, I, I mean, are, are you feeling like, you know, there's some significant changes to this bill that will make it more functional for, for people and people oh, who actually participate I w- I in it? I we're going to see a, a major expansion in the number of patients that qualify because part of the chronic pain, <clears throat> excuse me, part of the chronic pain issue that came up is that it's not just chronic pain, but they labeled it as something that a doctor could have even prescribed an opioid or painkiller for. So, like, I have rheumatoid arthritis, and in the past, I've been prescribed tramadol for that. That's an opioid. That would immediately qualify me or anybody else who's been on a substance such as tramadol to be qualified for this program. We upped our THC percentage to five percent. There's obviously some of the stuff like PTSD. There's studies now showing that up to, well, I believe like nine to ten percent has been shown to be definitely effective for treating PTSD. To start with that, my testimony today I brought up that I was like, you know, part of I believe the issue is is that a percentage for, for when we say a percentage, it's percentage of flour, and that is something Texas does not do. Other states such as Florida, which I have a relative who's a doctor there, brought up. Florida, Florida has a flower statute where they, they talk about percentages, which means you had to come up with a formula for converting that into a dosage rate for patients. Whereas we don't have a flower statute in Texas. It's purely a concentrate. And when you talk about concentrates, you just need a dosage. You say, we need X amount of milligrams. So at that point, why bother talking about percentage of THC? You just need five milligrams of this, 10 milligrams of that. Instead, we go, oh, and it's got to be... 0.5%. Well, what's the rest of the filler in the bottle? Yeah. Well, I mean, something that you brought up earlier is, you know, in the past, you know, one of the greatest obstacles, um, and, and this was similar with hemp for, for a number of years as well, um, really rested in the Senate. Um, do you feel, and, and, you know, this being the only bill heard in the public health committee and that raised to, to 5%, that's kind of the incremental steps that, that the state is taking, but there will still be opportunities this is something still has a great likelihood of being heard in the senate and presumably passing in the senate but there will be a lot of opportunities to continue to testify on this issue if that's something clicks bill will be will likely be heard in the senate i do not see the house not voting for her bill her bill last time got super majority support just like the other medical cannabis bill in the house but patrick has been very explicit that anything that deals with cannabis will come out of the house and Jack Finkel explained it pretty good yesterday that the way our, our legislature works is that we get a consensus from the people, and that is on the House, all of your representatives. Your, your House of Representatives in Texas basically weeds out the nonsense that people don't care about. People write bills. People res- your, your representatives will write bills. People will respond. The ones that get somewhat of attention, they go through. They go to hearings. From there, we start calling it down. The Senate then kind of vets those further 
because you only have what is it, 31 senators, so versus hundreds of representatives. So you got 31 senators, and they not very much. There's not very much testimony that goes on. It's not like they you get a lot of time to understand, to find out when a committee hearing is taking place. Yeah. So, so the bill's been heard in committee now. So we're still waiting for Stephanie Click, who is the chair of that committee. So presumably she'll bring it up for a vote out of that committee soon. Um, you know, based upon what you saw there, was there a lot of opposition to the bill? For the medical, I don't, I don't believe I saw any opposition. There were some people who just test, said they were going to testify on it. They didn't think it went far enough. Um, an individual named Gregory Fowler that I've, became friends with since the last session. He has a daughter that has a, a I'm trying to remember the name of it, but she has like verbal tics. And Tourette's. It's a rare form of Tourette's. Mm-hmm. And medical cannabis has been one of the only things that's been able to help her, but she doesn't fit into the current teacup program the way it's written. And it's possible that even under the newer teacup things, she wouldn't fit into it. Yeah. So... So we'll be waiting to, to see that bill come out of committee. Um, you know, presumably you'll get the vote. It then goes to our, our calendars committee. Um, again, generally a chair of the committee is going to get some, some preference um, moving that out. You know, right now, and, and you know, because it'll probably be a week, maybe two weeks before they actually bring that to the floor, and you can watch that that process. Actually, if you go to Legiscan, uh, if you Google Legiscan, you can go to the bill, type in the bill number, and actually track that and get I notifications. Actually, I personally prefer TLO, the Texas Legislature Online. I'm thoroughly amazed at our online legislative website because I've gone to look up bills for other states, and I think other states' websites are absolute messes compared to ours. So, so where are we in session now? I mean, how much of the ca- is on the calendar? Because today we're talking April 9th or 8th of this week, and I guess we've got another 30, 40 days? Well, let's we'll say pretty much almost the end of, the May, end of May, almost the okay. last day of May. And her Month bill, and she, she, could get, she could go right now. And say, hey, we're going to vote now. Just get the, she could get a voice vote and say, yep, this was the vote. It's moving on. Send it off to calendars for the House floor. And calendars may look at it the same day and go, well, we're going to put this out for three days out, four yeah. days out, five days out. It could sit in calendars for days. It's a matter of very much when they voted out and it goes to calendars that people who support and want to see any step forward go, hey, calendars, put this on the floor now. Yeah, so so there's ways for people to advocate. Definitely get in touch with Stephanie Click's office. She can bring that up for a vote, get that out. Also, really look up for the calendars committee. It's a separate committee that, that picks when the different bills will be heard on the House. Contact them, support that. And and then there will be opportunities um, as that moves into the Senate to, to testify on, on that oh, further. It's, so what's going on tomorrow? Tomorrow is hemp, but I want to be clear about something because you brought up about you're trying to get at deadlines. When does this end? Yeah, right. there, there are also deadlines in the House and Senate for when a bill must be heard and passed over to the Senate. If it doesn't make it to the Senate by a certain day, and I have no idea what that day is for this session, it can't be heard. It can't even be passed off in a committee. It didn't meet the deadline to do so. It, There's a deadline for when it must be heard in committee so they can make it to the floor. So if they don't make that... To the Senate, then we lose two more years. There, there, yeah, there's there's <laughs> definitely a, April is a month of urgency for yeah. sure, and I think it has to to we're move really out of the House to the Senate and by we're the behind. end of the month. We're way behind. Last session we were doing this in in March. We were going and testifying in March, and now we're sitting in April before we get testimony. Well, yeah. Still, a the, lot the, of COVID the, protocol. The COVID that, stuff. Yeah, that's that's delaying. Yeah, but 
but overall, I would say, you know, we're in a positive space, um, you know, in, in kind of this last bit, and, and Russell just touched on it. Um, so we have the, the hemp bill um, is going to be heard in the Texas Agriculture and Livestock Committee. Uh, this is Tracy King's bill, the mm-hmm. former chair of that committee. And, you know, this is really a, a cleanup bill. It is it is certainly nice to be walking into the building um, with with a bill that was passed last session with 1325. And, you know, some of the, the good takeaways from this center around the educational research and different resources that will be able to be devoted to, to hemp this next go around, the extending of the pre-harvest testing timeframe to 30 days, um, which is going to, to reduce a lot of liability for the, the producers and, and reduce the, the THC content during that time frame. Um, also, several things in relation to immature plants. You're not going to have to test your your starts or your clones prior to transporting them to a different lot. If you own those two lots, you don't have to communicate with the department that you're moving it from one part of your property They're to just another. Making it at the end, you just uh, just test right at the the very end. Yeah, and you know most of the discussion this session has been around consumable hemp products and. You know, one of the, the key looming issues in the hemp industry still really centers around the USDA's final rule that classifies or, or creates a definition for total THC. So total THC is Delta 9 THC, which is in the statute, added with THCA, which is really the predominant molecule in that plant and is non-psychoactive unless it's heated up and converted into Delta 9. But... You know, what a lot of advocates at the national level um, and, and Rand Paul being the, the real champion of that in the Senate right now are promoting a 1% THC limit. Um, the USDA rule did expand the limit for negligence to, to 1% total THC. And so, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, as the president of the Texas Hemp Industries Association, I think the language that is most important above anything else is in addition to defining hemp at 0.3% or less Delta 9, it should also be no more than the federal limit for negligence, which is that 1% threshold. This greatly reduces the, the liability for farmers, opens up a lot of genetic opportunities for the state. And, you know, centered around this, too, is a lot of cons- discussion around consumable hemp products. And, you know, one of the issues of greatest concern that I have is has really been centered around people buying products from other states that say that there's no detectable Delta 9 in those products. But really over the last several weeks, it's like one or two stories a week now, you're seeing different stores that are being raided by either local yeah. law enforcement, department, or uh, DPS folks. And and what they were sold when they were testing those products in the state, and there's a lot of great labs, and, and in more conservative states like Texas, and states where it's a Class 3 felony to falsify those reports, our labs are telling people the truth. And, you know, I think it really is important, you know, for those that are listening to this, that are retailers, I mean, even consumers that that are purchasing products, um, have those products tested. Um, you know, a great resource here in, in Austin, Texas is, is Ionization Labs, um, CanID, the, the different uh, solutions that they provide here. There's a lot of, you know, other great labs as well. Um, I know Sante has been an advertiser in the magazine in the mm-hmm. past. Yeah. Um, you know, these, these guys are operating with, with high integrity and, and people should be aware, um, you know, being someone who was, was 
on the front end and kind of instrumental in getting hemp passed in the state that the worst case scenario for me is that someone ends up being arrested for um, a product that they're buying under the precept that it's, it's not psychoactive, but it's good for them, that, that there's other beneficial attributes to that that they can utilize. Yeah. So. Well, that uh, Delta Eight is a big is a big thing right now. It's pretty hot, hot, uh, hot commodity out there on on um, on the market. Just hot wrote, commodity. Well, you wrote a, you wrote something for the new issue. On, it, on well, that. as Coleman and I have been talking about, there's been issues with products being hot. Like they actually have more D not <laughs> Delta Nine than they should. They are a hot commodity. Yeah, and, and that's the primary issue. You know, I I'm not someone who wants to to nitpick and, and to create a precedence for completely dissecting uh, this plant and um, you know making some cannabinoids legal and others not. Now, that being said, you know, again, people need to be aware that um, there's a very close relationship between different products, and a lot of times what people are being marketed and sold is not that, that same product. So it's really more of a labeling issue. It's a consumer protection issue. And um, I think it's it's another one of these things that can be cleaned up, and I, I think we're moving in that direction. You know, hopefully we'll we'll have a little bit more oversight over our our testing in the state, which has been great. I, I think you know, really the the cost of Texas of testing in Texas compared to even more established states like Colorado, California. Arizona, Nevada is actually very, very um, affordable, and and the turnaround time is great. And you know, right now the Texas Department of Agriculture it registers out of state, out of state labs. And I know a lot of the initial concern was that we didn't have the infrastructure. You know, we weren't going to be able to handle the amount of tests necessary to to sustain the Texas market. And I think. You know, two years since we passed the bill, there is a, a significant infrastructure here. There's some great operators, and we're operating at, at the highest standards and the lowest cost in the country. So um, if Texas can be a beacon of, of telling the truth and providing good information for the hemp industry, that's where we want to be. We need to become that beacon. Be the beacon. Be the beacon. Not the bacon, the beacon. <laughs> Not the bacon, be the beacon. Bacon, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's the Texas Hemp Show. Another quick announcement as we close the program here for this week. This was podcast 23, I think. We didn't say which the one. The number 23. Number 23 this week. But uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow the Texas Hemp Show on uh, Facebook or Texas Hemp Reporter. Is, is Texas HIA on a recruitment? I've got to renew my membership this this uh, coming month. What, what's going on with you guys? And, and just wanted to let you get a little plug in, Coleman. Yeah, so you can visit us at, at txhia.org. You know, really one of the greatest values that we're providing to people is is a really interactive map um, showing the, the different licensees that are in the state. Um, really an, a, a way for you to be able to see what other operators are, are located close to you. You know, opportunities to, to network and, and get in touch with those folks. I'm also working really closely with the National Hemp Association um, and and groups like Ionization Labs, CanID, TPS Labs that are providing free weather data. Um, you know, really encourage people go to uh, go to Climacan, climacan.com. Um, a lot of great information to connect to your soil, water, plant testing, and, and ultimately the, the potency testing of, of your products. Um, in these early years, information, data are absolute king. And, and as we move into the future, we need to be making data-based decisions. 
And um, no, it, it, Texas HIA is about providing the best information, good education. Texas TXHIA.org. TXHIA.org. You fire off Austin's website, uh, Jesse. You guys do a great job. And, 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 and your Facebook page is amazing. There's a lot of fun interaction. Everybody's very supportive on that group's um, uh, Facebook page. I just fire that off a little. Uh, TexasCanico.com. TX. C-A-N-N-A-C-O dot com. Join and follow them on Facebook as well. You can find the Texas Hemp Reporter on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And um, the rumor has it we could move the show as the podcast could be on KLBJ AM on Sunday mornings. We're talking right now with them. They've kind of given us a green light to do that. Um, Just got to get nailed down a couple of sponsors and get that thing going. So we may be on air on Sunday morning. So that's coming soon too from the from us, from us. Yeah, so thank it, you it, both, guys, for, for being a part of this. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, I think we're hitting a good stretch here with things. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I just want to give that one last plug to KLBJ. If you want to reach the Austin market, that's a great opportunity. Definitely reach out to, to Russell, Texas Hemp Reporter here, to, to advertise. Um, I know that I enjoy this show. It's, it's just starting to really, really boil over in a great way. And so great opportunities there. Yeah, Texas Hemp Reporter at Gmail if you'd like to reach out to me and get involved. See you next week. It's the Texas Hemp Show. Thanks, guys. Adios. Adios.